But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. Welcome back. This is the 9x9, nine nine, the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. Uh, my name is Rob St. Clair, joined from Toronto by Everett DeLorme. Uh, welcome to the show, boys and girls, on the Volleyball Source YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching live on a Tuesday evening or uh, listening on audio after the fact, yep, this is our volleyball show. This is the best English-speaking volleyball coverage you will find. And Everett, can we, the Volleyball can we just... Nations League is over, Everett. Ooh. Can we just say the best volleyball like coverage? Because well, like, it is. Are, are we finding better like you know we have others in, we have others pe people speak other languages in the Discord and they're not telling us about other podcasts or other content in Italian or Brazilian or Polish or anything like that uh, that you can find on the on the internet. Maybe there's stuff on the mainstream media, you know, in places like Poland and, and Italy and stuff like that. But let's just drop the English. We're going to claim it. Let's just claim it. Let's just go for it. Go for it all. Okay. Go bigger, go home, Rob. It's ours. You heard it here first, boys and girls. This is the best volleyball coverage anywhere on the internet. And uh, Volleyball Nations League is over, Everett. France wins. Uh, France wins the 2022 Men's Volleyball Nations League, a 3-2 to two crazy, crazy championship match against my beloved United States of America. It was but sure enough, France follows up their Olympic gold medal winning performance. They... Uh, they, you know, they mess around at European Championships, lose randomly to the Czech Republic. Nobody cared. They get two different coaching changes. They lose Laurent Tilly, then they very quickly lose Bernardino or Bernardo Rosende out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Andrea Gianni comes in, and in his first tournament, uh, France wins the VNL. Now we're going to jump uh, into the final match for sure. But I think ever you and I saw this French team in Ottawa. Uh, in week one, they brought kind of a surprising number of the starters. They really took that approach the entire tournament. They were well, it was it was basically the entire that team the entire time, right? Pretty like, close. Other, other than like bringing Klevno in into into week two, but that was also then, due a lot to the injury to, to Grabenikov into the finals. But yeah. really, that was it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. But I mean, let's be honest. We've heard we we all know that this French team might be the most skilled team in the world right now. If you look at the the, the, the collection of athletes that they have and how they work together, they work fantastically. And I think this, this, this match in itself was a perfect show of that. They were completely there, completely in for the first two sets, kind of went away in the next two sets and kind of fell asleep a little bit, but had that ability to, to turn it on. And we, we know that from the, this team. And I think that's exactly why uh, Gianni wanted to bring the entire team throughout. He wanted to learn how good this team is in order to prepare for the world championships. I mean, he told us that exactly when we interviewed him at the, in the beginning in Ottawa, right? So th this is, I think at this point, like this, it's, it's almost went too well for France. <laughs> I honestly, it's, it's weird to say that, but you're kind of right. Like, how do you, if, if you're a brand new head coach, Andrea Gianni, you you win your first major international tournament. How do you follow that up? Like now, anything for France at the World Championships other than a win is kind of going to have to be a disappointment for them because it's the exact same crew that won Olympic gold. They've now won the VNL. They've done it with Andrea Gianni. Like there's this is the exact same team that has just been destroying people for the last two years in international volleyball. And 
now they're going to go to world championships. They've got to be the favorite, right? Like, are they, we, they have to be the betting favorite going into world championships right now. Yeah, I would have to say, I would have to say they are. I mean, especially for the betting as, as well too. Like I feel like they're not going to take into account things like the European championships as much as compared to FIVB events like the Olympics and, uh, uh, and, and nations league. So you'd have to think that they, they'd be the favorites. And I mean, I think they're going to be going into it too, with a bit of a target on their backs, right? Like everyone knows and like, they've kind of painted themselves to be kind of like the bad boys of volleyball. Like, did you see that entrance for Grobenikov in game one? In the, in <laughs> yeah, the it was hilarious. Where they, they were Loved setting them up like a boxer and you had Boye and Engapeth with the shades on, like the 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 bouncers. They're like the American um, football helmets rolling into the finals. I don't know what was up with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, you know, they were the, the most outspoken team on social media and stuff like that about the poor training conditions that they had leading up to the finals as well too, right? So this team is very much kind of like, the they they are the Trevor Crab, uh, if I'm going to use an AVPB volleyball <laughs> reference, they're the, the the Trevor Crab of indoor volleyball right now, and I think I think they love being in that position. I think they kind of do too, and they had even a little bit more to play for uh, this particular week of them all. Uh, I can't remember what day it was exactly, but less than a week ago, uh, a beloved member of French volleyball media, uh, Xavier Richefort. I don't know if that's a reasonable French pronunciation. Richefort. Okay. Uh, basically, the voice of French volleyball, uh, their main French-speaking broadcaster in the country for the sport, passed away unexpectedly of a heart attack at age 59. And you can see there in the photo of France's celebration, they've got the, the T-shirts that say Xavier on them. They, they, as if they didn't already have enough to play for in this tournament, they, they lose a beloved member of the national volleyball media in their country, and they, they had... You know, just something, something else, just that little something else, a little more special that, that they made this tournament special for them. And uh, I've, from everything that I've heard from French speaking people and French people from France who have been messaging me over the last couple of days saying that this guy, uh, Rich Cafour, was really, really beloved. Like everybody loved this guy. He was great for the game of volleyball in France. So uh, France had just something extra to play for and they got it done in the end. So uh, shout outs to the French team for doing this for their beloved guy. And, uh, Hopefully that he can rest in peace and enjoy his team's victory. I mean, I, I will have to say though, I do think that they had maybe a bit of an easier road to the finals. You know, they had to play Italy in in the semis, who weren't really firing on all cylinders. They got to dodge Poland altogether, and Poland was the only team to beat France. Uh, right? We got to see it uh, at uh, in Ottawa. Um, so, you know what? Like it. it it kind of seemed like maybe they they got off a little bit lightly uh, here. Like they didn't have to see any of the big uh, some of some of the bigger teams uh, in the tournament. So let's jump into the championship match. Uh, France beats the United States three to two. Uh, France went up convincingly. Like the first two sets were not even close. Twenty five sixteen, twenty five nineteen, not close at all. Just dominant for France there their hitting efficiency was off the charts they were serving uh the USA off the courts uh TJ DeFalco could not pass the ball he was substituted out in the second set uh that meant the appearance of Garrett Mangatutia much to the dismay of the discord but we'll get to him in a minute until then out of absolutely nowhere out of nowhere uh, nothing was going right for the USA Kyle Ensing didn't play well he got benched Kyle Russell didn't play well he got benched I mentioned TJ Falco got benched. Then out of nowhere, in between sets two and three, the broadcast showed John Sparaz saying, hey, 
like telling Key Michael in the interview saying, hey, we're going to try a new lineup. We've never done this before. We've never practiced this before. Nobody knows what's coming. We have nothing to lose. We're going to see if it works. That new lineup was to reinsert TJ DeFalco at opposite. On the right side. On yep. the right side. I, and as when he was saying that, I'm like, okay, they're going to do a three outside hitter system. They're going to move Aaron Russell to the right. They're going to bring TJ DeFalco back in. They're going to run it like Trentino. No, that is not what they did. They put TJ DeFalco on the right side as a true opposite player. They didn't, they didn't bring him in to serve receive. They didn't move him around to hit pipe. He hit uh, in positions one and two, like exclusively, and came in and was a spark. And the USA, for some reason, Maybe it's because nobody had data on this lineup. France didn't know what they were looking at. And I mean, uh, if, if you don't know what you're doing, the other team certainly can't know what you're doing. But the USA brought it all the way back. Uh, 25-15 in the third. 25-21 in the fourth, and, which was crazy. And uh, Everett, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I truly can't believe I'm about to say this. But the USA's best player this match was Garrett Mwangatutia. I, really, I, though? Yes. He went 11 for 15 with no errors. He was 7 for 7. He, his first seven swings were all kills. 11 yeah, but for 15 like, with no errors. 73% efficiency. And true. the best passing numbers on the team. Okay. I, I, it was, it, it was it, the weirdest thing. I've never seen him play this well. It I, did I, seem I, like he sparked both Russell and, and DeFalco, though, right? Because mm-hmm. at the third set when he came in, DeFalco had seven kills. Russell Russell got six, and Mangutia got, got five. So something about Garrett Mangutia, I don't know why he's even on the roster, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, right? I think that's a bit of a slap in the face of Thomas Jieschke. And, he was injured. He's not. He wasn't there. Wasn't even okay. there on the roster. Okay, that that that's why. Well, that 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 makes a lot of sense. But Garrett Mangutia somehow comes in, and it was just a vibe thing, you know. Yeah, kind of was. You, you could tell that he just came in, flashed a couple of smiles, gave a few high fives, and it just seemed like the the United States just took a collective breath out on the floor, and they started working together. Right. That was the big thing. Like when this team is successful, you can see them moving in unison. They work in unison. Even when there's a bad pass, they're they're they know the next steps. Right. Um, what was it that Benjo was saying? Like, if this, then that. Yeah. Um, right. Or if if that then then. Um, you know, it seemed like when the United States was was playing the underdog, they were all working together and and playing together, you know. But then once it got to that fifth set, that's when France had the ability to just shut things down and be like, okay, like enough is enough. We're, we're going to take this. Yeah, it was a five to nothing run keyed on Antoine Brizard's serve, uh, including two aces and uh, to go from two to two to seven to two. And uh, that was it pretty quickly. A couple late American errors. There's another ace there late. And that was kind of it in the fifth. But uh, I, so I, I, Everett, obviously am a massive American fan. Uh, this has been well really? documented. Well, I've got the shirt on. This has been well documented on this show how much I love USA Volleyball. I've been reading some comments like in the Discord during this match and on the internet after the fact. And I've I've heard the word choke being used in, in response to this USA performance. I, I, wow. I've seen some disappointment. I've seen some people angry about being unable to win the championship match. Those people are absolutely delusional. 100% delusional. Let me let me go on a rant here for a moment. Okay. okay. Let me have this. If you are an American fan and you watched this team at the Olympics last year, that was a choke. 
that was a team crumbling in big moments. That was a team who could not serve the ball over the net, who were paralyzed by the pressure put upon them, who didn't even make it out of pools, and who then came to this Volleyball Nations League without three of their Olympic starters. No Matt Anderson, no Max Holt, and no Taylor Sander. Without three of your Olympic seven starters, you come to Volleyball Nations League and you get second? That is a massive overachievement and a huge step in the right direction. Everything that was terrible about last year's Olympic performance, serving so bad last year, immensely better this year. Every match that we played, we played well. Our ace-to-error ratio was extremely favorable. Way, way, one of the best in in all of VNL. Yes, it was. And it was funny, like, the... The matches that the USA won, uh, like 9 to 11, aces to errors against Poland in the semifinals. This this championship match, it, the numbers do not tell the story at all because they were incredibly balanced. Attack efficiency, blocking, passing, really, really close. The only difference was ace to errors. So USA won ace to 14 errors in the final. But tournament-wide, our serving numbers were outstanding. But even more than that, things like out-of-system setting, things like block coverage, uh, things like block discipline. I, I thought we blocked the ball terribly at the Olympics last year, and we had just good, much, much better blocking performances team system-wise this entire Nations League. Eric Shoji, so good. Micah Christensen, so good. Aaron Russell, so good. David Smith, so, so, so good. This team is so much better than anybody should have reasonably expected them to be less than a year after that Olympic performance. If you are at all disappointed as an American fan about a silver medal and about that fight that we showed in this five-setter getting destroyed in the first two sets, putting in a wacky lineup and just figuring it out, there's so much positive to take out of that if you're a fan of the United States of America men's team. Just so much, like not based on the numbers, not based on the the final result of that championship match but there is so much good going on with this team and i'm so so pleasantly surprised just think about where what we thought about this team coming into this tournament right think about that that first live podcast that we did overlooking the court in ottawa there when serbia was practicing practicing behind us we thought the usa might go 0-4 in brazil and then they turned around and, and did the the complete opposite to me watching the u.s throughout this vnl there's there's a few things that was apparent First and foremost, this was a coming out party for Aaron Russell. Aaron Russell was was by and by far their best at player throughout the entirety of the tournament. He was their top attacker. Uh, he was their top passer. He was truly the, the best player. And I mean, we've seen him struggle coming out of injury over the past few years. Professionally, he was non-existent over the past, few, uh, past couple of years, just con- consistently on the bench. Aaron Russell, in my eyes, is back to being a top five outside in the world right now, based off what we've seen throughout the entirety of, of this VNL. He is he is that good, and I think it's an absolute shame that no one in Italy picked him up this year. Um, I think to piggyback on that, to the improvement that we saw from TJ DeFalco was absolutely unreal. The fact that, just like, what was it, like, a few months ago, we were looking at this team being like, who's going to play on the left side? And now DeFalco and Aaron Russell were both in the top five, top 10 in scoring. They're both like two of the best players throughout the entirety of this, this VNL. Like that's a legitimate left side core. But ultimately I think what we saw with this team and you touched on it perfectly when you talked about their serving, the out of system setting, the digging, all of that stuff. It looks like what John Spira did was just strip everything down 
and just go back to the basics. And Rob, you've been around, you've, you've been around a lot of, of coaching. I've done a lot of coaching in, in my life. And I always find that sometimes when you're working with a team that you know really, really well, you just add so many layers that it just gets, it gets too big. It gets too much. And there's too much to play against where it seemed like this year, the United States was just playing very free. And to me, it comes down to, I really think that John's bra really stripped things back, worked on the serve receive, worked on the serving, worked on those if and then situations, you know, that kind of hold the game together. Those out of system situations, those scramble plays, blocking all of that stuff, because it was truly a team performance that I saw throughout the entirety of the, the VNL from this United States team that brought them to this point. Uh, that, I think that's extremely well said. I think the two teams that played for the final here were the two best teams. And France had more talent top to bottom than the USA in the end. And I don't think anybody would argue with that. They had way more talent and clearly more experience at, in matches of this magnitude. But the USA proves that they don't need the elite level top five in the world of their position sort of players like a prime Matt Anderson or a prime Max Holt. They don't need those guys as much as we thought that we might to produce a great team. It's it's a, it's a Japan situation. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. There are a lot of teams in the world that are like that, but uh, the, the USA level of talent and experience was a minus level on average, and they produced an A level team throughout this entire VNL. I am thrilled, so so happy with this performance. The guys deserve all the credit in the world, and nobody likes losing. Nobody likes losing a five setter in the finals. But uh, after the way those first two sets went, to even get to a fifth set, the, and the way that they got there was just such such a pleasant surprise. I'm so encouraged. I'm so excited for the world championships because uh, John in the chat, you're right. Matt Anderson's going to come back. You don't have that, that little bit of a vacancy on the right side. And Kyle Ensing had a good tournament, but he didn't have a very good finals. He was benched in two of the three matches. You get Matt Anderson back. You get Max Holt. And honestly, I would argue that we might not even need Max Holt with how good Dave Smith would, and, Jeff, and Jeff Jendrick were this tournament. We might not. Even I would agree. Him. Like, I think you bring in Matt, like anytime you have Matt Anderson available and ready to go, you go to Matt Anderson. Without that's question. An, that's an absolute no-brainer, especially since the two options down there. I know Ensing had a fantastic group stage, but I just don't see it lasting in a long-term factor. And I mean, I really I really want Kyle Russell to be good. I really want him to succeed, but you just haven't seen it on a consistent level. Maybe he's just not giving the opportunities, but you need to go with Matt Anderson. But man, I don't know if Max Holt, like he's been out for a little bit. And David Smith is – this dude's like a $150,000 like, bottle of wine. He just continues <laughs> to get better and better with age. Like, what was it like a couple of years ago where we were thinking, like, why is this dude even on the team anymore? Like, he doesn't know if he can play. But he was by and, by and far one of the best middles for me throughout the entirety of the tournament. This dude can still ball. And so, yeah, like, like – and Jendrick was fantastic too. I don't even know if you – like I think it's a good situation for Max Holt to be in, to come in and to be on the bench and not be needed right away from USA Volleyball to kind of you have that rehab time and and to kind of get back into the swing of things. Yeah, there's there's just so much positive to take out of this VNL for the USA. Anybody who is upset or disappointed or furious about winning a silver medal in this tournament, uh, 
yeah get get out of here uh, unsubscribe from the channel and then and, and don't talk to me i mean don't don't unsubscribe, don't unsubscribe. <laughs> actually even better like tell us why you think that in the the chat and uh you know or come comment on our videos uh, yeah, that, yeah that'll be give us give us the interactions so uh, anything else about france before we move on uh i mean they they won the tournament they followed up their olympic performance with the exact same team and played at the exact same level andrea gianni uh got his first win what what do you what do you got for France before we move on? Do you do you think France is in the best team in the world right now? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I they have they have all the pieces. They have the best libero in the world. They have two world class setters, and I, I think that they've kind of settled into the fact that Antoine Brizard is the guy. And it's crazy to like consistently leave Benjamin Toniuti on the bench. But you saw, even though Brizard in those third and fourth sets in the final didn't set the ball overwhelmingly well, but he won you the tournament with that service run in the fifth. Like That's something that Toniuti just simply cannot do. You've got Jean Patry, who we don't talk about nearly enough as being one of the best opposites in the world. Uh, his numbers in the final, I, I really think he deserved MVP of the tournament. 17 for 28, two errors. That's like 52% efficiency. Uh, in the five-setter in the final. I also think he should have won MVP of the Olympics. <laughs> You've got Irvin Ingepet, who was the MVP of the VNL. He is just, I mean, for as, as flashy and as fun to watch as he is, he might be the best first contact outside hitter I've ever seen in reception and in defense. His first contact ability is so ridiculously good that your team, with him and Krabenikov, uh, as two of your three in the reception unit, Disgusting. You're Disgusting. always in system just all the time. Like France's offensive numbers were insane. 426 as a team in the final. 577 <laughs> as a team in the semifinals. 577 as a team. Like That's completely ridiculous. And it's because that those guys pass just nails. It's the best serve reception unit in the world, in my opinion. And Cleveno, when he's good, I think that's the key because we've seen him, uh, like when they lost to the USA earlier in, like, the, in the regular phase, uh, Trevor Cleveno was terrible, and that was most of the reason why France lost. But when Cleveno is good, uh, this French team has no weaknesses. You've got Shinyezi and Lagoff in the middle, who are both terrific. I I do think that France is the best team in the world right now, and more so than just the talent. It's you mentioned it. It's the freedom with which they play. They are the team who has figured out how to do that. It's really hard to figure out how to do that. If everyone knew how to do that, uh, the most talented teams would win every tournament. And yeah, there's there's a reason why Poland didn't win this tournament, why Italy didn't win this tournament, and why Brazil can't figure out how to how to do anything this year. France has figured out how to play in big moments. They play free, they play light, they play loose. I think the USA figured out a little bit of that this tournament as well. But France did it last year in the Olympics. They changed coaches and they picked up right there where they left off. And I don't think the World Championships will be too big for them. I think they'll be the favorites going in, and I don't I don't see. A, a scenario where they're not on the podium at the very least. I could definitely see a scenario where they're, they're not on the podium. Don't get me wrong. I 100% think this this is the best team in volleyball right now, bar none, for all of the reasons that you just said, plus the added factor that they have so much depth. When you yeah, look at the left side core, when you look at the, the guys that they can go to in, in other scenarios, like this is a, a deep, deep team. And I think it's a, it's a huge testament to what the French Federation has done uh, over the, the number of years, I think there's there's something in the water over in France because it's not only happening in volleyball; they dominate as well too. Um, but 
this is also a team that has the ability to turn off, right? This team is the most skilled team we have in volleyball. It might be one of the most like up there with like the Brazilian teams of the 2000s. This might be the one of the most skilled teams I've ever seen in volleyball. The way they move on the court, the way they're so casual on the ball, right? They they pass so well because they're just they're just that good at passing, right? They set well because both Brizza and Tony Uti are just so skilled. Like everyone is is so skilled, but because of that, they have the ability to turn off, right? Just like you know, just like they did it against the Czech Republic at the World European Championships. And I mean, we've all heard the stories of kind of maybe some extracurricular activities that were happening <laughs> leading up to that match that may have uh, led to um, a result like that. But I think that this this team very much has the ability to just not be there sometimes, right? They don't they don't have the most consistent team, but they hands down, in my opinion, have have the most skilled team. Um, but it's it's going to be very interesting to watch this team uh, at the World Championships, but also very fun. They just play a fun, oh, a so fun much style fun. of volleyball. They've got so many unique players. Like there's no one like Engapeth. There's no one like Chen and Yezi, uh, uh out there. There's no one like Gro- Grobenikov. And so they can just bring so many unique varieties to the game. And uh, to be honest, I think in some ways that th- they might be affecting the game in, in ways that we can't even perceive right now, right? I think I think this might be a team that we look back in like 10, 15, 20 years and we look at backup be like, this team helped change volleyball. Yeah, they very well might have. And they are, I mean, the, the last two major tournaments that they've played in other than a, a victory lap that was an early exit at the European Championships. They won Olympic gold and they won VNL. So, uh, World Championships up next. I I would probably have to pick them to win right now. Uh, anything else? Can we move on to the bronze medal match and two teams who were favorites coming in, but both have a lot of question marks. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you talk about two teams that could be seen on the podium come to the World Championships, come the fall, it definitely has to be this, these two teams. Poland, let's have to be say, might have to be one of the most disappointing teams in the tournament, given how good they were throughout the group stage and given how they lost the USA in, in the semifinals. We'll talk about that in a second. But I found they bounced back very, very nicely in, in the bronze medal game. I don't think they, I feel like they didn't maybe necessarily have the most pushback from Italy. Um, but ultimately, this is a very, very good Polish team, a very dangerous Polish team. And, you know, this team, in my opinion, I picked them to win. Was a little disappointed that they didn't get there. But congratulations on the bronze altogether. Yeah, I mean, a, a bronze medal, it just is what it is. Uh, it's it's kind of, man, Poland's just so weird. And we'll talk about them as we... Uh, we'll talk about the semifinals in a minute. But th- this match in particular, Poland over Italy, uh, Poland 10 aces to only 17 errors. That's, I mean, that's it. That, that, that's, that, that's all you need to put up right there. Uh, Italy has a, a weird struggle with serve reception, like late in this tournament. I was not impressed at all by their first contact. Uh, and yeah, ace to error ratios tell the story here. 10 to 17 for Poland, 1 to 12 for Italy. That's just not not even close to good enough. And uh, although Daniele Lavia has been really good for Italy since coming back, uh, 14 for 33, leading him in scoring a bronze medal match, what's going on with Alessandro Micheletto right now? Negative efficiency uh, against only Poland five, for the bronze. Only five points. Five in, points? In this one. I, That's has, Everett, has, has the volleyball world figured this guy out? There was a moment in late in the club season where like, Yo, is is this kid the the next greatest player in the world? Like, does he have, does he have is he on that kind of a trajectory? And then he didn't have a very good end to his club season, and he wasn't 
overwhelmingly impressive in the VNL after after coming in week two. Has the rest of the world figured out how to defend against Mikaleto's offensive skill set? Maybe. However, I'm like like maybe we can we can claim this guy's in a bit of a sophomore slump. Right. Like that's what it could be. However, I'm going to bring it back to those conversations, those very same conversations that you just brought up. And truly, I think that we're just seeing one of the most tired volleyball players on the planet right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Right. Because he took off week one. He didn't come to Ottawa, but in week two, two and three, he was there. Right. That's like still like what, like a month, a month out from uh the champions league like he he hasn't had a true off season in a long time he hasn't had a long time to recover and also let's think about how much pressure he's had at a young age so so far both from the junior teams to trentino to to the national team winning a european championship right so i do think that teams are starting to figure him out but i i think it's because he's just too tired right now and doesn't have the energy to switch his game up Right, he's looking slow-footed out there. It looks like he's just processing this, processing the game at a, at a slower rate than he usually does. He doesn't have that natural touch. He doesn't have that youth, youthful like exuberance and enthusiasm that we've seen so much with Trentino that we saw last year at the European Championships. So I really think that this is a guy who's just tired. Um, and unfortunately, there's not much rest to be had because let's be honest, we're like like what like literally a month away a today month. from from the start of the World Championships. So had a, I guess a little bit of time off. So hopefully this team can figure something out to help him get some rest and, and help him get some health. Lavia was fantastic. Romano was also really good. I will say that I'm a little bit disappointed overall in Romano. I was really high uh, of. of about him coming out of the World European Championships last year. Didn't really get to see him play that much at Milano last year, of course, playing behind Patry. Um, very, very skilled attacker, but just not enough consistency to make a large impact at that level. So I think, in general, people have started to figure out this whole entire te- Italian team out and not just Micheletto. I think that's a pretty good point. So let's, let's look at the semifinals uh, so that we can kind of put these... Italian and Polish performances in perspective a little bit more. Uh, Italy getting just destroyed, destroyed by France in the semifinals. Not even close. I, we, I mentioned earlier France, 577 attack efficiency as a team. How on earth can you let a team hit over 500 as a team against you at home in the semifinals of a major tournament? I'm talking about Italy here, allowing France to do that against them. Uh, serving again bad for Italy two aces to nine errors France 11 aces to 16 errors like Italy's just getting walked over in first contact they're they're getting destroyed in the serve and pass battle on both sides and it's it's very very strange to me how a team with this much size with this much blocking ability uh, Italy's a good blocking team they've got dangerous servers and they're just totally incapable at least in at the late stages of this tournament at, at putting any pressure on anybody it just it but it, it just seems like they don't have the firepower sometimes. I mean, Lavia was bad in this one. He was four for seventeen with two errors. So like, his efficiency was like close to ten percent, ten percent attacking in in this one. Um, but they just don't have enough bodies of guys who can put pressure on teams on a consistent basis. Italy is a team that works fantastically when all of cog moving well together and everyone is, is, is working well together. A lot like the United States. But I would definitely argue that the United States has more natural talent and just pure physicality on their team than Italy has. 
right? I don't know I about did, talent, but I definitely agree with physicality. I, I, I definitely think that Italy okay, lacks physicality. Enough, yeah. Like over, like overall, if we were going to be giving like video game scores, I would be giving Aaron Russell and and uh, DeFalco higher points than Micheletto and Lavia type, type thing. Um, if if you were to p- put it on paper like that, that's 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 the way I see it. Um, and ultimately, like they just came up against a French team that is just way better than them in every better aspect, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and can exploit that. Right? Ultimately, I think that's that's what it can. And, and France might be the only team. We're going to go back and talk about France for a second. They might be the only team in the world that can match up with anybody. Right? If you are a structured, like team based team like Italy, they can work with them. If you're a flow and skill based team like Brazil, they can play against them. If you're a structure and physical team like the United States, they can play against them. They can truly exploit any style, and I think that's really what we saw in this one against Italy. Yeah, and I think that's because France is just so ridiculously good at first contact in both serve reception and defense that 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 identity and that particular skill set makes you – you're never out of a match if you can pass the ball I mean, that well. And and not only they're ridiculously good at second contact and third oh. contact too, right? So they're just they're they're fantastic. Yeah, there's there's something about this kind of new look Italian team that doesn't I'm not convinced that they're ready to win a, a, like a, a really major international tournament. I mean, so I mean they did it at European Championships last year. That was very impressive. They definitely came out of nowhere and did that. They, they beat Slovenia in the final. They didn't have to play Poland because Poland choked. They didn't have to play France because France choked way early. Uh, and I'm not discounting Italy's win at that tournament, but like when you have really the entire, the entire mix of elite national teams that you've got to go through to win a tournament, we see France, France destroy them and Poland destroy them in the last two matches, both of them in Italy. So I... Come, going into world championships, I've just got more questions than answers about this Italian team. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if you look at their um, their world championship run, like they had to beat Serbia, they had to beat Germany, they didn't like they had to beat Latvia in the in the quarterfinals. They had to beat Slovenia. Like they didn't really have to beat any of like they didn't have to play Russia. They didn't have to play France. They didn't have to have to play Poland. Right. And I would rank all three of those teams ahead of them. And I mean, now obviously Russia's out of the picture, but when I'm looking at the other teams in the world, like even looking at it, I know Brazil's taken like a hit in the rankings for me, but I might rank Brazil over Italy at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think they would be pretty darn similar. All right, about in the same tier of teams from my perception right about now. They're, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not not sold on this Italian team right now. Definitely a disappointing end of the VNL for them. Similarly disappointing is Poland. I mean, they walk away with bronze, but. The way that they lost the United States in the semifinals was kind of astonishing. Twenty-five to thirteen in the fourth in the third set. Excuse me. What? How? How is it possible for a team that has that much talent, that has that much guys that have won two Champions Leagues in a row? It's it's not like when their team or when their players get in big situations they crumble because in the club level they get there and they excel. I mean, Zaxa won two Champions Leagues in a row. Semenyuk had the performance of his life in the Champions League final. Like Zatorski, Kochanovsky, Slivka, all the, the Janusz, they, they did it. They've done that. What is it about the national team level for the Polish national team that they just can't 
figure out how to win a tournament despite being the favorites every time. They lose VNL finals last year to Brazil. They lose the Olympics in the quarters to France. They lose European Championship semis to Slovenia. That, that loss didn't make any sense. They get swept by the USA, and I, I was I was so stoked about this. The USA played phenomenally well, but what what is Poland doing? And what what is how how do you fix this? Is is the part that I'm really confused by? If it wasn't for back to back World Championships in 2014 and 2018, I'd be looking at it and being like, what is like Polish what volleyball? Like what what is going on? You do have that. You know, I remember that feeling, and I'm pretty sure we were talking about it on the Discord at the time about. Like this Polish team just won the world championships in 2018 and they're about to pick up Wilfredo Leon. And now obviously we can't talk about Leon whatsoever about this event, but all of the other ones absolutely. But even without Leon, when you have Kurek who was unreal at some points, they're just oh, he was really good. Ridiculous really good. at some points throughout the, throughout this tournament, right? Semenya, Slivka, Kokonovsky, like you've got garbage at the helm like it just seemed like everything was was going up was was going in an upwards trend and that's why i even picked them if it was any other team and i looked at that that result and i looked at the bulk of their of their tournament i would go that was just one bad game and that was just one game where we didn't show up we're going to get them at the world championships it happens but because of its Poland and because of this history of them choking once it comes down to the nitty-gritty, once it comes down to the quarter semis finals, to me it has to be something more, right? You don't show up like this where your best score is Bartosz Kirk with 11 points. That's 11 points. He was the only Paul to break double digits, right? Like, and their what's, sec- what's, second Kokonowski was seven, like... Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense. I, I think in that anyway, semifinal, Martin Janusz got thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed by Micah Christensen. I've never, it, it's been a while since I've seen such a large setter disparity in the way that, the, the way that those two performed. Uh, and team I, efficiencies, well, I fully agree with that. I would like, 447, I do, I do. 447 for the USA in that match. And, uh, USA served significantly better, uh, passed well enough. Like all the things that make Poland do Poland. You have the efficiency for for Poland. Yeah, three hundred two, just... not bad. Not bad, but see, I I feel like like Janusz is a very good setter. He's yeah. he's a very solid setter, but he's nothing over the top, right? He's not going to add that extra dimension for you. He's going to deliver the ball in a great fashion and run run a pretty solid offense. But to me, it all came back to what you talked about earlier, Rob. It came down to the serve of USA, yeah. right? And they absolutely dominated. You mentioned it before: nine aces for only eleven errors. Poland on their side had four errors for six or four aces for sixteen errors, right? And that pressure was sustained, right? They were serving bombs this match, and Poland just looked like they weren't ready for it. Like they, they there was no conceivable mat, a manner that you know Matt Anderson and TJ DeFalco could hit bombs. TJ DeFalco had six aces. Six. And this is a guy that plays in Poland. Every one of these guys has seen him serve this entire club season. How how are you not ready for for like how do you not see this level of pressure coming? It's very weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 just like they just uh... And see, this is why I think it's it's completely mental because they just weren't there altogether, and it you can see it compounds because after the first set, yeah, it was kind of like okay, like we we can kind of fight here, but then after the third, like in the third set, they wanted no, like they almost ran off that court twenty five, like twenty five thirteen, 
Like they, 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 wanted, yeah. like, they wanted to run away so, so fast. I'm surprised they even showed up to the bronze medal game, right? Like the way that they ran out so fast in, in that third set. So you can just tell that they have so much pressure on them to win. It's kind of like the, the Maple Leafs in hockey. You know, they have so much pressure on to win. And once you start getting to that point when you're losing, when you should be winning, it just weighs down on you and weighs down on you and weighs down on you. And that's exactly what we saw with, in, with for Poland in this one. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Uh, bright spot, Mateusz Biniak serving is just the gnarliest, most wicked hybrid serve I've ever seen. Uh, always extremely scary, well-deserved spot on the dream team, but just kind of everyone else. I mean, Shlivka, not great. Even Camille Semenyuk in the semifinal wasn't particularly good. He made five errors, and a lot of those were just unforced, weird balls hit out of bounds, which is not typical for him. Uh, again, I'm thrilled about how the USA played in this game, and I think we deserve a lot of credit for playing well and applying that sustained service pressure. But something weird about Poland, something really weird about what happens to Poland when they get in a, a do-or-die situation in the tournament. And another, another head-scratcher, I, I don't think Pavel Zatorski had a v- very good VNL. No, he didn't. He didn't. And I think he's he's just getting old. One thing to talk about Poland, though. Um, I do think, and this is going to make some people mad, I think. I do think they miss Michael Kubiak a little bit. Oh, not because, my goodness. Not, <laughs> not because of his, his play on the court, but just the attitude and 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 wherewithal he he always brought to the court you know his bat, brow was always furrowed he was always it seemed like he was always convinced to make something happen it seemed like in this one there was no one who was really able to step up and i mean i've likened Kurek to kd before and i think that's a very apt situation where it's like he's someone who's going to put up a lot of points for you offensively but he's not going to be emotional leader i don't know if Poland has the emotional leader right now and i think that's a huge a huge for them because when they get down they can't come back up i think that's a pretty good take i i couldn't pick an emotional leader for Poland and we know their team really well. We really are familiar with their players. It's a very, and I, very quiet team. Very quiet team. Yeah, that's a little weird. And Gerbich is kind of a quiet methodical guy as well. Yeah, 100%. I love, like, this the fact that we got to see Poland and Gerbich and how they operate in Ottawa and we got to see Gianni and France and how they operate. You can see how it's two vastly different teams run by two vastly different legends and it's it different works characters. Perf- yeah, it just works perfectly for both those situations. So I, I don't think Gianni would be work work well with Poland, and I don't think Gerbich would work well with France, as well as the, each other are working with 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 their respective squads at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, I I brought up the dream team very briefly just now. Uh, Everett and I are going to make our own picks for what we thought should have been the dream team. What it actually was, uh, the MVP, Irvin Ingepet, once again, uh, second straight big tournament with some. MVP hardware for him. Uh, Trevor Cleveno, the other outside hitter. Shanier Gabenikov at Libero. Jean Patry at opposite. Then two Americans, uh, Dave Smith and Micah Christensen. And uh, Mateusz Biniak in the middle. Everett, I, I always just kind of am underwhelmed by dream teams. We talked about it in the women's game last week. I, I, there's got to be a better way to do this. But we're going to make our own picks for um, players really that considering the entire VNL rather than just the finals and without these like guaranteed allotments based on based on finish but more more generally what do you think we could do to make this dream team something that kind of actually gets people energized make it real stop (laughs) allotting like teams like you know like we see in pro sports where like in the nhl the mvp can sometimes be to the, the losing team i think that's that's a perfectly normal situation 
right? The fact that the winning team gets four and then the, the next team gets, it's, it's just kind of garbage. It, it's very, it, it's very chintzy, you know, in, in my opinion, if you get nominated, you know, it doesn't really, it's like, oh, they needed to pick someone from our, from our team, you know, like it, it, it just, just either do it based off stats, you know, or based off of uh, like have, have a have a, a commission pick pick a team but don't just make it from these teams make it make it from at least the final eight you know and and then at the same time if you're gonna do it maybe announce one after the the regular season round you know what does what's first and second team you know spice it up a little bit uh, a little bit it's, it's just it doesn't mean anything in my opinion yeah it's just, it doesn't mean anything it, it's just glitter so uh, with that said, uh, you and I have both put together our personal dream teams that include players from all of the top eight on the men's side and just kind of considers more of the entire tournament rather than just the last week of the finals. For, for, and that for some players, that's really only one match. So uh, Everett, go first. Of, of Same like position breakdown. It's still seven players of uh, each, each position. But uh, in opening it up a little bit more and all the tournament considered, who is your personal dream team for the 2022 VNL? All right. Starting on the outside, I have Aaron Russell. I already talked about it. I said this was a coming out party for him, and he was absolutely unreal throughout, throughout the entirety of the tournament. He led the United States in attacking. He was fourth overall in scoring overall for the tournament. He led the United States in receiving Um he was just to me all world and at, at a perfect time too to kind of rejuvenate his career. Aaron Russell is back, right? Baby fat Ron is here to play and I could not be more excited. Uh, my next person uh, who I'm going to nominate to the team, the other outside hitter position. If you are a fan of this show and you've watched it for a little bit, you might be a little bit surprised, but I'm actually going to go with Yuki Ishikawa. Ishikawa was statistically the best passer for Japan. Another guy who was top 10 uh, in attacking and we saw how absolutely horse crap Japan was without him in the in the quarterfinals. Hopeless. It didn't matter. It didn't matter about Ran Takahashi. I mean, to be honest, I think he's very, very overrated altogether. Um, it didn't really matter about Yuji Nishida. Yuki Ishikawa is the heart and soul of Japan, and we fully saw that about how terrible they were in the in the quarterfinals. And without him, they are not even a top twenty team in the world. Right. So not statistically, he was one of the top players in this tournament, but the way he showed up for Japan, I think he needs to needs to be on uh, on the team. Um, moving on to uh, the middle blocker position, I've already talked about David Smith, how fantastic he's been. I mean, once again, one of the top blockers in the tournament and just like a really, truly emotional leader for the USA. Like you can see him coming up with big plays all the time. Fewer, he's like setting out of system with the hands. Like dudes, dude does it all. And I mean, like added bonus, he's deaf. So like, I, I think David Smith was unreal throughout the entire of the tournament. Next up, incredible I have... player. I, I do want to, I, I wonder if the people really know about this. I think I told you this ever at Ottawa and you hadn't heard it before the USA. And I think also any club team that David Smith plays on, uh, basically, by necessity, they all institute the David Smith rule, and that uh, that very simply is if David Smith calls the ball, that ball's his. So yeah. that's why you see him stepping in and setting so much. Like there was a play late against Poland, I think in the second set, when Eric Shoji made maybe the dig of his career down the line against Bartosz Kurek, which was just a bomb. He ate it up, and Dave Smith called the ball to set it, 
and it's because Smith is That's exactly what I'm, what I'm thinking almost about when completely deaf. Almost yeah. completely deaf. He has the most about the most profound hearing loss that you can have, and even have a chance of fixing it with very high powered hearing aids. I work in that industry. I, I know a thing or two about how severe Smith's hearing loss is. To be an elite professional athlete in a game that requires communication like volleyball with that inability to hear almost anything is truly, truly incredible. And the fact that he's gotten so much better in the last five years of his career, it's amazing what David Smith has done. Not only in the last five years, dude, I remember back in 2011, the first event I ever worked, David Smith was a part of that United States A2 team. Uh, that came to to Gatineau to compete. And I remember watching this guy and we're watching him and looking at him being like, it's a really nice story. You've got a deaf player on the team. He obviously belongs to be here, but I don't see him going past that. And he's just continued to get better and to get climb that ladder and to just put himself to be legitimately a top 10 middle blocker in the world right now. Like right at this moment, I, I would put him in that put him in that spot. And yeah, the results speak for themselves. He won two Champions Leagues in a two row. Two Champions League. Crazy. Like, all of this uh, with, with the national team, like hats off to David yeah, Smith. Incredible. Um, another, the other guy, uh, my only Brazilian assist, Roberto Flavio. I think Flavio was one of the few bright spots for Brazil throughout this VNL, both on the blocking side and offensive side. Um, he's one of the new guys on this roster that actually makes sense and actually looks like he's Brazilian. Some of those other guys, not so, not so sure so far. Um, if who I want dishing butter for this team is no one else but the Iron Man himself, Simone Gianelli. He was, you know, in there the entirety of the the entirety of the time. Um, played every single match m- match for them and led this team through and throughout. To be honest, at this point, I would maybe kind of want to see Antoine Brizal there after you know thinking about it some more. But I'm sticking with my first my first gut position, and I'm going to go with Gianelli on this one. Italy doesn't even get to this point right they don't finish first first overall uh in the in the group stage if not for simone gnl yeah not a chance no finally uh at opposite i have the most obvious pick of all of them um and that is nimnir abdelaziz i mean there was no athlete like no one no one ran their team like uh, like Namir in this one. He was their top scorer by far. Um, outscored his teammates, like doubled up on the, the highest next teammate guy. And that was... <laughs> top that scorer was in the whole tournament. Top scorer in the whole tournament. Um, and, I mean, the Netherlands was a team that we were picking for relegation coming into this tournament. And sure, they, you know, losing out in the quarterfinals, but they still made the playoffs. So, uh, Namir Abdelaziz has to be on this list. And then finally... I wanted, my heart wanted to put someone else on this list. My heart wanted Eric Shoji. But looking at the stats, I couldn't not put up Yamamoto Tomohiro from Japan. Statistically, he was just the best libero. Um, He was uh, one of the best serve receivers. He was, if if you're going by success rate, he was the best serve receiver. um, With a lot more attempts than guys like Shoji. Um, who were b- below him. Danani was statistically the best libero, but he ma- didn't make the top eight. So he would have been my pick. And we saw him in play in Ottawa. He was he was fantastic. But yeah, uh, Yamamoto Tomohiro was just, I think he's almost as important as um, uh, Ishikawa on, on that team because that team relies so much on a good pass and good 
and good ball control to release guys like Yuji Nishida, that that first pass is, is so important. And Tomohiro is, is that guy for me. Interesting. Yeah, I very good research and, and substance behind your picks, but you got no French guys on the list ever. They did win the yeah. tournament, let me remind you. <laughs> I know they didn't win the tournament. Um, but hey, yeah, that's just how the cookie crumbled, and I'm standing by it. Fair enough. Okay, uh, my list really quickly has got a little bit more overlap with the actual list. Of, I did pick Irvin Ingapet. I was one of the outside hitters. I mentioned his first contact ability is just absolutely insane. Uh, my middle blockers was, were actually exactly the same as the volleyball world picks. Uh, David Smith, like we already talked about, and Matej Biniak. Uh, I, like, I really like a middle blocker who, I mean, you've got to be able to attack and block. But that serve is really, really an X factor that is a difference maker of elite middle blockers. Uh, it's the reason why Robert Landy Simone is the best middle on the planet is because he's so much better at serving than any other middle in the world except for Mateusz Biniak. That hybrid is just so sick. It's incredibly nasty. Um, his, his error rate on that hybrid is extremely low, and the runs that he's able to put together are, are off the charts. So I definitely agree with putting Biniak on the list. Uh, my opposite is Amin Esmail Najad. Now, this man for Iran. really well. Damn. Thank you. Uh, a big reason why, probably the reason why Iran made the playoffs and uh, at, at the seventh seed and gave Poland a hell of a fight in the quarters uh, going all the way to five sets. That was the best quarterfinal match for sure. Amin, he's an interesting story. We, we were coming into the tournament. We're like, okay, there's three opposites. There's like Poria Yali, Bardia Sadat, and um, who's the other one? The, the other Sorry, lefty, you know. uh, the uh, Kazemi, I think is his name. The other lefty oh, yeah, yeah. DNL last year. Okay, one of those three guys will be a good choice at opposite. And sure enough, it was none of them. It was this guy, Amin, who is, I think he's 26, and he's never played outside of Iran. And they were saying on the broadcast, I think Vital Heinem was talking about this, he's been serving in the military in, in Iran, and there's something about him not having yet completed his service that they won't let him play internet, like play club outside of the country yet. So that's kind of why we've never heard of him. But, boy, did he have a coming out part of this VNL. And I know that there are teams in, in Italy and in Poland, like big club leagues that are trying to get this guy, like trying to work out whatever details it'll take to, to get him to play outside of the but Iranian traditionally, borders. Like, traditionally, Iranian players don't play outside of, of Iranian, Iranian borders. Like we saw Maruf play briefly outside, and especially now that he's done, but mostly has just played inside inside Iran. Mostly. It, it was it was Maruf who kind of broke that barrier, but uh, Abadapur has been playing outside of Iran for years. That's true. I, I, I did Sadat played in Italy yeah. this year. I mean, they, they've, they've got guys, who, and Syed played in Fenerbahce. Like, they've got guys who are going elsewhere, but this Amin character is uh, the, as good of an opposite as there is in this tournament. He was second, I think, in the tournament in scoring behind Namir, and an Iranian team who we knew nothing about, and this guy who we knew nothing about was just so, so, so good. He actually had a case, like legitimately could have been the best opposite in the tournament. That's including Namir. So I got to give him a ton of credit for that. Uh, and then at Setter and Libero, I have uh, my, my heart. My heart will force me to pick Micah Christensen and Eric Shoji. Uh, Micah Christensen was unbelievable. So, so, so good. Um, the stuff blocked to win set two versus Poland, the ace serve to win the match versus Brazil. Like it's, it's the, the little bit of point scoring you get from him at the setter position, in addition to being an absolutely world-class setter and the leadership and the defensive ability and the just, I, I can't get enough of watching Mike play. I'm so happy he's back. 
and Eric Shoji at Libero. Um, I think Jenny Grabenikov, uh, well-deserved spot on the Dream Team, but he only played the finals. And if we're talking about mm-hmm. the entire VNL, uh, even though Shoji didn't play the first week, I think he was the best libero in this tournament. There were moments in big matches when the USA needed a play to be made, and Shoji would pass a nail or he would dig a ball. There, were just the plays that he made and the moments in which he made those plays. Uh, I was so so impressed by Eric Shoji. He's definitely leapfrogged Zatorski on my personal lists of world liberos. He's clearly number two right now for me, and I do think that Shoji was the best libero throughout the VNL. So. Yeah, that, that's uh, I forgot an outside hitter. I forgot Daniele Lavia is my other outside hitter out of Italy. He okay. was I think he was Italy's best scorer. He had he wasn't good against France in the semis, but he was really he was their best player against the Netherlands and he was their best player uh, in the loss to Poland in the bronze medal match and I think he was better than Micheletto throughout the tournament. So I, I wanted to give Lavia credit cuz really most of the time he's like quietly hitting about 40% efficiency in most matches and passing the ball well. So uh, he's my other outside hitter pick. So yeah, I've got Lavia, Ingapet, uh, Beniak, Smith, Amin, Christensen, and Shoji. That's my dream team. Do you think Amin is the best lefty we have right now in the game? He's definitely the best lefty opposite. Uh, I, I don't know if he's better than Mikaleto or Kovacevic, but yeah. he's definitely or, the best left-handed opposite. Or even like Hassan, but... I mean, Hassan's not even playing. Yeah, Rossard's not really a factor right now. Linel's not a factor right now. I, I think it's uh, Mikuleto and Kovacevic and, mm-hmm. and, and Amin. I think it's those three guys. And in terms of Micah Christensen, where do we think Micah Christensen right now rates in terms of setters? He's the best in like, the world. He's the number think, one setter in the world. He really, really is. And I, 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 think, I think there's a very good argument to make between both Micah Christensen and Antoine Brizard, both because they come from different different directions like they both do it's like similar things well but they both have like certain distinctness like i think micah christensen is far off and beyond like a better leader overall than than antoine Brizard. but Brizard might be slightly more skilled than micah christensen a little bit more physical he's definitely more physical i wouldn't say more skilled i think Brizard's a better server uh but they're christensen, christensen's a better defender and a better blocker uh, the only thing I would say to Micah Christensen is I want him to attack the ball more. I would like mm. him to see him swing on the ball more. I'd like to see him dump more. I think Simone Gianelli is really good at that. and uh, uh, Brizard is as well. Uh, I remember 14 or two, not match point, but the point before uh, to win the Olympics, he dumped a ball out of nowhere. Mm. And the confidence to do that was was electric. And I would like to see Christensen do that like as much as a Gianelli or a Brizard. But I think everything put together, the leadership, the defense blocking, serving, and then obviously just the ability to set the ball and make plays at the net. I think Christensen's the best one-handed setter in the world. Ooh, uh, maybe DeCecco would give him a run for that one. But uh, yeah, but and some of the Christensen can go, Christensen can go up and get the ball with one hand, a good foot over where DeCecco can get. So there are, there are plays that only Christensen can make at the setter position, and then there's so many intangibles. He's my pick for the best in the world, but there's there's a lot of good setters in the world right now. There really are. It's a hard list. But is there even more? Like, because to me, there's you've got Christensen, Brizard, Bruno, and uh, not anymore. Decheco and Gianelli. Decheco and Gianelli, and then Tonyuti. But Tony Uti, I like. I I think he's fallen out of that list, you know. Like he, 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 
you know, he didn't get it done with JW this year. Obviously, he's playing on the bench now for France, like, solidly. So I, I just don't think, like, I think he's kind of, he's past that prime. I think at one point he was, but I I, I don't know about. I think about he's just anymore. too, he's just too much of a liability in blocking. He, he's he's completely invisible as a blocker. And, and there, you just have to have that in the modern game. So he's he's struggling to find court time. I, I think he, he might still be the best pure setter of the ball in the world. Mm. In, in a way that he makes makes his teammates makes his attackers better maybe more so than anybody in the world but he's such a liability blocking that his I'll use case that. his use case is declining for sure yeah okay I'll, I'll i'll give you that for sure uh real quick in the chat uh where do you rank Sufka in the best lefties in the world up there i, I think he's a little bit behind mikoletto and kovacevic mikoletto has the contact point that no one else has kovacevic has the the crafty slimy mm-hmm. disgustingness that even Schliefka doesn't have. We've seen Schliefka do it at times, but I, uh, I wasn't as impressed by his Zaxa season and wasn't quite as impressed by his VNL uh, as I was with Schliefka last year. So uh, he's up there. Top five. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So uh, I think that's about it for VNL, Everett. It was a heck of a tournament. Any Anything else about uh, the annual grind that is the volleyball nations league before we hit the people with a couple ads and then wrap the thing up uh no i mean i'm glad we got to go watch it i'm glad um it happened i guess um it overall was (laughs) a good good. tournament it was fun to watch it was a great tournament lots of fun to watch um i'm definitely have a better notion i think of what to expect heading into the world championships for me is now what do teams do from now till then Right. What are they going to do to retool? What are they going to do to uh, turn things around? I think if your team's like France and the United States, you're in a really good spot. I think if you're Poland or Italy, you're kind of. There's some things to fix there. And I think if your team Canada, um, we got to figure something out and get to the world championships. So Thanks for uh, participating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely that's one thing I, I looking forward to the world championships. I. I'm hopeful to see something more from Team Canada than what we saw from throughout this this VNL. Um, we did the, the the very much bare minimum of staying alive, but not much else. And so I'm ex- I'm ex- I'm hoping to see something more come come the fall of the World Championships. Yeah, uh, couldn't have been more different finishes for our two teams. Uh, my team second, your team second to last. Ouch. Uh, so ever before we move on to the Challenger Cup, which is uh, getting going on this Thursday, we got to talk about that. Before we talk about that, uh, two very important things to let the people know about. The first is that volleyball.store. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to get some of this merch that I'm wearing right now, Rob's got some too. Um, you got to head over to that volleyball.store where all the official 9x9 merch, the spicy volleyball merch is. We've got the Make Gr- Volleyball Great series. Uh, we've got a couple other fun series that um are in the pipelines actually live on the website if, if you want to go check check them out but Ooh. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ruin it for you i think you need to go go find it for yourself before we start promoting it rob i'll, I'll make us a new thumbnail uh to announce it uh nice. of, for next week and some of the some of the new stuff we're releasing so yeah head over to that volleyball.store to get all your official nine by nine spicy volleyball and all other uh all other type of stuff merch and uh support us yeah, there's some great stuff in there. Uh, there's also some great stuff on BetUS. Everett, let the people know. Absolutely. If you guys like sports, if you like betting on sports, like making money from watching sports, 
then you got to use BetUS. They are America's favorite sports book. They've been around since 1994. Isn't that before the internet? I don't really know how that works, but <laughs> me neither. Like that's literally like that's that's what they that's what they say. So we're running with it. Um, when you use the the code Volley one two five, you're going to get a hundred and twenty five percent deposit bonus. That means if you deposit a hundred dollars, you're going to get. 225 which is it's literally free money so use the link down below uh in the show notes here and when you sign up use the code volley 125 when you deposit 100 dollars or more and get 125 percent deposit bonus uh to bet you yes free money seems like a no-brainer to me uh well if you are not yet sick of watching all the volleyball that has been presented during volleyball nations league uh fortunately for you there's more uh, this week, the FIVB Challenger Cup is going down for both the men and the women. Uh, we got the men's bracket up right now. Very simple tournament. Uh, the men's is being hosted in South Korea uh, starting on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, my birthday, by the way, uh, July 28th, in case anybody cares. Bracket, I'm pretty simple. Uh, my, yeah, I'm turning a whole 21 years old. Yeah, absolutely. Um Bracket is simple. Uh, Korea gets the number one seed because they're hosting Australia number eight, which is brutal, uh, but they are the lowest ranked team in the field. Uh, Turkey versus Qatar, Tunisia versus Czechia, and Cuba versus Chile. Uh, very simple eight-team single elimination tournament. The winner gets the, the final spot at Volleyball Nations League next year. And then on the women's side, exact same format uh, going down in Croatia, also starting on Thursday. Croatia gets the one seed. Uh, they will play Kazakhstan in the first round. Uh, Puerto Rico versus Cameroon. Colombia versus France. And Belgium versus Czechia. So really pretty simple. Straight up eight-team single elimination brackets with one VNL spot for each gender on the line. Uh, Everett, let's pick it. Uh, who are your picks for men's and women's Challenger Cup? Who do you think you're going to get those VNL spots? Okay, well, we're going to start with the women because that's what's on the screen right now. Um, I'm going with Belgium, right? They weren't the worst team in, in VNL. They have the, statistically the best player in VNL and Britt Herbots. Yep. Um, this is a team that won four games. It, was, it wasn't for Korea and their boatloads of money and only winning three sets the entire tournament. Like they, like Korea should be the team in this tournament, not, not, um, not Belgium. None of these other teams, like maybe Croatia has an outside chance, like Kazakhstan, Puerto Rico, Cameroon, Colombia, like France, Chechia, it just none of those strike them to me like they're going to be able to uh, take down um, Belgium. Maybe if Belgium has an off game or gets tired or something, something can come up. But I'm not really seeing anyone uh, compete against Belgium in this one. How about you? I've got Belgium as well. I think they've got the best player by far in Brit Herbots and Croatia at home. And Samantha Fabris is good, uh, but I, she's not. As good as Brit Herbots, I think Belgium is good enough everywhere else. I think they've got a significant chip on their shoulder because they really don't think they should even be in this tournament in the first place. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I've got Belgium in the women's tournament. How about the men's? The, the, the men's, I think, is much more interesting. because The men's is, is definitely much more way interesting. Way more interesting. Even, even some of these, these quarterfinals are going to be interesting, right? Australia versus Korea could be very interesting. I you think Australia is going to win that match. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. We're going to have to see. I mean, their best player is that 18-year-old kid, Pope. Yeah, who, Pope, he's who, awesome. Who was fantastic for them throughout the, the entirety of, of the season. It's going to be interesting to see how Dave Preston turns his team around heading into the Challenger Tournament. But to be like to be honest, 
I have four teams that could potentially like, I think out, Australia has an outside chance of, of winning it. I still could see it happening, but looking at, I've got either Turkey, Chechia or Cuba. And in, in this one, I mean, I think that Cuba versus Chechia battle in the semifinals is going to be a big one. Chechia did upset Turkey in the, uh, the gold league finals. Yeah, gold All right. League. But let's, let's be honest. Turkey is a very, very good team. They won't have FA Barham, and we all know that Legumgia has been rattled with injuries over the over the past year, so we're not entirely sure on on his yeah. uh, health. health I don't think that. they have FA Barham or FA Mandaraja. I think they're both but, hurt, and that, that's like some serious holes at outside hitter. Absolutely. So I think if Turkey's healthy, they could uh, have an outside chance at, at, at winning this tournament. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Cuba is is going to be the team to to take it home. Cuba is the best team. They have Simon, they have Lopez, they have Yant, they have Malguerejo. On paper, this team is the best team, and you know they're working hard to to get back into the VNL. It's just the matter if they if they can afford it, right? That, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's that's the big thing, right? So, but on paper, this Cuban team is is the best team by far. They've got, um, I think, they've got the three best players. I think Simone, Yant, and Lopez are the three best players in this 100%. entire field. Like, hundred percent, because the Czech Republic or Czechia is they're recently rebranded. No Zavaronuk because we think that he's trying to bail on Czechia and become Italian. No Hadrava for some reason. No Lucas Vecina. Uh, I think they've got Michael Fingar, but like okay, a lot yeah, of with without any of those guys, I'm going to take it back. I don't think the Chichi is going to be very, 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 it's very, very weird. Good. I don't, I don't know. And none of those guys were there for CV Golden League, with that, which they also won. So they've got they've got that going for them. But the the top level talent, like the couple of the guys that have risen to like the elite levels of club volleyball for Czechia aren't playing in this tournament. I'm confused by that. So I don't see it for them. I don't see it for Turkey unless they're healthy, which it doesn't seem like they will be. And I mean, can I, I'm really looking forward. I, I want to compile all of Robert Landy Simone's stats. Uh, let's assume Cuba plays three matches this week. I cannot wait to see the output of Robert Landy Simone against middles of infinitely lower tiers of competition than him. I mean, I can't even name another middle blocker on any of these teams. I cannot wait to, other than the couple Australian kids that played U sports. Like I cannot wait to see what Robert Landy Simone does this week. I mean, rumor has it that he's going to be traveling to, uh, to Gatineau to play in the pan. Like that whole Cuban team is traveling to Gatineau to play in the Pan Am cup, uh, to get ready for the world championships. So maybe I might take a little trip down to actually. Yeah. Does anyone want to sponsor me? Pay, help pay for my uh, hotel and Airbnb so I can go down to uh, Ottawa and uh, cover the Pan Am cup. Anyone? <laughs> Taking volunteers. Yeah, if we do, uh, d- yeah, DM ever to add volleyball source on Instagram or in the Discord if uh, if you want to help us out with that. But I'm with you. Uh, it's I I, we, I don't like to make exactly the same picks as Everett on things because it's not as much fun. But uh, I think Belgium and Cuba are the two correct picks. So yeah, this tournament Challenger Cup starting on Thursday. The finals are Sunday. Really pretty simple. I think everything's streaming live on Volleyball World TV. So I will be in the Discord talking about it. And we'll see. Uh, this time next week, who gets those last two spots, one for each in the field next year for VNL? Yep. And I uh, I think that's about it today for today, isn't it, Rob? I think it is, boys and girls. So VNL's over. Challenger Cup this week. Teams have got a month before Men's Worlds, uh, about two months before Women's World Championships. So maybe a little bit of a down period. Uh, the athletes certainly deserve that, but uh, the 9 by 9 never stops. So hop in the Discord. Uh, the, the links in the description of this video. The Discord is the best volleyball online community 
in the world by far, and it's not even close. Uh, the the memes and also the high level discussion and everything in between are just the best. So uh, hop in there if you want to join well over 600 volleyball fans from all around the world. And uh, yeah, everything that's about it, my friend. Next Tuesday? Yep, I think it is too. Next Tuesday. We'll see you guys uh, same time, same place, 7.30 here on YouTube for episode number 37. Um, but guys, make sure you uh, check out that volleyball.store. Make sure you sign up uh, to be a part of the Discord. And we will see you all next week. And Rob, happy birthday on Thursday. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Maybe, maybe I should come down to Chicago for a drink or two. Ooh. Imagine. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, boys and girls, we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Peace.